Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And this podcast is brought to you by Everything's Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. Make sure to tune in on September 11th. We are talking about the episode Radio Bart with a special guest you may recognize. Hi, I'm Nancy Cartwright. And actually, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the (gasps) hell are you? Ah! We're so excited. this This is so good. This was one of our favorite episodes we've ever done. Mark your calendars. I don't know. You're probably already downloading it. What What is this life? Uh, September 11th, we are joined by, you already heard her, Nancy Cartwright. We're so excited. Please tune in. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. Hi, my name is Heather Graham, and I'm playing Dorothy Tyson in the movie The Last Rampage. The Last Rampage is a true story about uh, Gary Tyson and how his sons broke him out of prison, and uh, it's a very dark story, and Gary Tyson is not a good guy. I play his wife, and I'm super loyal and devoted to him, even though he's pretty much the worst person in the world. One thing I think is interesting about the movie is a lot of these movies, they tell a story about like, oh, this rebellious guy who was this cool gunslinger and, you know, he did it all these wrong things, but he did it for the right reason. And I think this story sort of turns that story on its head because it's got, at first you think he's a cool guy, but then you're like, no, this guy is just like a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic jerk. I like stories about real people. I think sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Like, I mean, some of the stuff that happens, you just go, I can't believe this is real, but it's real. And then if you do more research, it's even stranger than the stuff they put in the script. It's just like, sometimes real life is stranger than fiction. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm. Hello and welcome to the X Files Files. Um, um, my name is Kamal Jenny. You know this. This episode is Jose Chung. We're talking about one episode. Usually it's two episodes for one podcast, but this one episode is going to have two podcasts. So today I talked to Dan Harmon about this episode, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. I want to talk to Dan because um, honestly, his show Community, which I really really love. Uh, reminds me of aspects of Jose Chung, sort of the self-awareness, the meta nature of it, the commenting on the nature of stories sometimes is something that a community does a lot. And also Dan is such a great storyteller and thinks about story stuff so much that I wanted to talk to someone who understood this stuff way better than I did. So, uh, and actually having this conversation with him made me like the episode even more. I've always, I've always loved this episode. For me, Clyde Bruckman is my favorite. I always found this episode to be um, very intellectual. But watching it again now, uh, I really loved it more than I've ever loved it. And the next week, uh, Darren Morgan came back to talk about Jose Chung. We talk a little bit about War of the Coprophages, but it's mostly about Jose Chung. Uh, so this week, Jose Chung's uh, From Outer Space with Dan Harmon. Next week, Jose Chung's From Outer Space 
with the writer, Darren Morgan. Uh, hope you guys enjoy it. And, um, you know, all the usual stuff at X-Files Files at Kumail N. Oh, um, Portlandia is a show that I'm on every now and then. It's on right now. I'm in the fashion episode, which I think you guys will get this the day before it airs or something. It's the one that Matt Groening is in. I'm in that episode. We're also in the first episode of Broad City, uh, Silicon Valley, which we just finished shooting last night. <laughs> I'm so tired. Finished shooting it last night. Uh, that starts April 12th. We're doing another season of The Meltdown with Jonah and Kumail, which is a stand-up show that I host with uh, Jonah Ray, and my wife, Emily V. Gordon, produces it. And we're going to shoot that very soon. So a lot of fun stuff coming up. Uh, get excited for it. And still got my fingers crossed for some X-Files uh, TV show news. Um, honestly, I thought that some announcement would have been made by now, uh, but it hasn't been made. So we'll see. I feel like with this stuff, the more time that passes, the less likely it becomes. Or maybe I'm just tired and feeling not as hopeful. But I don't know. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hey, Dan. Dan hey. Harmon's here. You were one of the first episodes. I believe you were the second one or the third one. One of those. Yeah, it was the kid that sees the ones and zeros. Yeah, we never really figured out why it makes a picture of his <laughs> mom or whatever it does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but today we're talking about Jose Chung's From Outer Space. And I wanted to have you do it because this is obviously, you know, one of the, a lot of people's favorite episodes. Yeah. And it's also one where they tell the story, unquote, in a very interesting, different way. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on it because there's a lot. It's a very dense episode. There's like, it's not fully clear what's going on. It's not even important whether right. it's clear. Which is what the what Jose says in the beginning. You know, a rare instance of Scully being satisfied with subjectivity and, and confusion because she's, the show is taken over by this guy this, yeah this uh which i read today on the internet was inspired by truman capote right interesting uh, right yeah yeah i always when i saw it when i was younger the first thing i thought of was uh kilgore trout um vonnegut's alter ego the sci-fi writer um but uh yeah it's, it's like like charles nelson Riley was just like it's just it's, it's, it's a pretty amazing performance i think there's just, yeah it, it and it, I'm all over the place already. The um the, oh, no, that's the, fine. the narrative is is taken hold by her instead of Mulder. It's it's by by Jose instead of Mulder, and so Scully is like just answering his questions <laughs> and stuff, which I think is kind of interesting because she's a she, her normal role is to be scientific, but now right. she's simply just another source of unreliable information. Right. Um. And and so it, it it yeah it it I don't know if there's 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 been other like kind of Rashomon episodes there was the there's the one where I think that's yeah. the one with Luke Wilson yeah the it's Empire. called Bad Blood that comes a little later that one's a little simpler than this that one's like two sides to every story this is a lot more complicated like there's a lot of unreliable narrators i think there's five or six of them right yeah all truth is subjective and in a world where all truth is subjective couldn't if you truly believe in a corrupt government or alien species wouldn't you wouldn't you therefore believe that anything a sci-fi writer could come up with or or that you could come up with in a hypnotic session 
would also have been come up with by superior civilizations or sinister governments, and therefore, who can we ever believe? And can we even believe that we ourselves aren't real? I think you know. I think there's a distinct implication there, albeit tongue in cheek, that even Mulder might not be real in the in the in the diner because, right. or oh, that yeah. or, or that he's a hallucinatory like psychopath himself. Well, I mean that one's a that what the rest of it you can sort of figure out. Uh, you know, try and get at what the truth is, even though obviously it's not important. It doesn't exist. He has this great line where he says, "Truth is as sub- is only as subjective as reality," which is, uh, I believe, that's what he says. Which basically, it's a little deconstructionist, right? Where it's like, I mean, uh, there's no real story to get at because there's no real story, right? Right. But Mulder, when he's there, and the guy says there was another guy with him, and in Mulder's version, there isn't another guy with right. him, right? That's pretty. I mean, damning. I think. Yeah, and it's, the nice, the fun thing is that you're 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 talking about a character as strange as Jose Chung, who in turn is talking to someone we'll never meet, who is this diner chef. Who, yeah, <laughs> who we, we get a shot of him and we see. And I think that shot of him is important because you go like, oh, just some, just another stranger in a weird world of, of who knows, you know, scratch beneath that surface and is that guy also an aspiring sci-fi writer and all right. that kind of stuff. And one thing, the lighting in that diner is so X-Files. It's so like, um, he does that a lot where he calls out the tropes of the show and it feels like in that one, it's like the lighting slightly too purple and there's a lot of that in this episode. And I think what Darren Morgan also does a lot is that he makes commentary on... Um, you know, it's pretty meta, obviously, mm-hmm. but he also makes commentary on the limitations of the show and stuff. For instance, when they say were the aliens, was the alien's mouth moving? And they're like, no, it's like he was inside my head. I think that's sort of he's commenting on the limitation of the outfit that the alien had to wear and stuff. Yeah, I felt like that was like a, I just thought it was like, yeah, that was kind of a fun, clever, like, it wasn't so much like, oh, God, in our wildest dreams, we wouldn't be able to make the mouths move on these costumes. Because right. you can uh, – the I think it was more like uh, – I, I interpreted it more as being kind of just a clever narrative device that, that oh, a guy in a sophisticated alien costume could seem telepathic. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, you uh, – like, how many times have you seen this episode? This is probably like my – third time i guess because i i I watched the x-files originally in syndication on fox um then i got the box set so i I watched all the way through and then when you asked me to do this episode which i was very flattered by uh i i watched it again um it's it starts off you know you see the beginning and it looks like it's a starship destroyer or something like that and you find out it's just like a ordinary crane yeah there's a lot of misdirects misleads that darren morgan the writer always does and then so you think you're seeing this crazy x-files episode where you're going to see spaceships and shit and then it's something totally mundane and then you actually do see a spaceship and that first moment when the spaceship shows up i remember watching it first and i was like oh this show has now jumped the shark right you see the two aliens and then lord kinboat shows up right who's a who's a character apparently kinboat is a reference to a character in nabokov's pale fire which is a novel about subjective reality oh really i I was i swear this is gonna sound like a joke uh i was going to bring up pale fire like like when we were talking about this episode because it's you know when an author uh Whenever an author creates an author character, it's like always really like 
well, it might be just because they're a hack and they don't know what else to do. But <laughs> but a lot of a lot of times it's a great if you're gonna get to really interesting shit, you know, it's like that's why Vonnegut's like character Kilgore Trout is like this, you know, makes this really interesting vessel because writers as narcissistically self uh, self diagnostic as they are, if you if they then are allowed to create a straw dog of themselves, they can re- really get to see how hard they hit and what what spots they hit. So, like like this the the you know pale fire is like this weird meta experience of uh, I'm sorry, is it Dostoevsky or uh, Tolstoy? I can't remember. Oh, or it's Nab- Nabokov. Um, the uh, the it's 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 a writer doing doing another writer as a character as, and he's kind of a isn't he a fan he's like a fan I of, don't know pale fire uh but but like yeah it's it's it, I I guess I have nothing to why I would have brought it up I don't know it just it I remember thinking about that while I was watching it uh that 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 like the idea of of getting to uh have a character in the thing co- constantly commenting about what the nature of storytelling is and um and that's what this whole episode is doing and taking some really fun like i think the f- definitely the funniest line for me is when the uh the kid who's describing Scull- scully and Mulder is clearly yeah. just the writer's room describing yeah <laughs> Chilean anderson and yeah and oh yeah uh, they're not the characters they're describing the actors yeah like yeah. her hair her hair is red but a little too red if you know what i mean <laughs> um and his yeah. and his face was just expressionless yeah uh, it was just nothing there it was yeah like <laughs> yeah um it's it's also so 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 the things i've struggled with this episode about is that when i first watched it it seemed like very intellectual to me it seemed more like an exercise than really um trying to get at anything but mm. i've learned to really really love it and the big thing of the episode i think that the thing that really brings it together for me is that narration that he does at the end mm-hmm. where it's basically like we're all just trying to make sense of stuff you know we're all trying to connect and and you know some of us looking at the stars and that that girl finds meaning and i'm going to there was a pretty good quote that Todd Vanderweff who reviews stuff for the AV club said about it he says the world is weird enough without us pinning further weirdness onto it our fellow travelers are more interesting than any ghosts or monsters or bigfoot footage our real mission should be to pursue those fragile connections we are able to find but too often we chase phantasms instead what appears to be every day is weird and the weirdness is ultimately what's mundane look at a picture just right and you can see anything you want right so i i think that's when it really like sort of hit me yeah there was a i remember they made us read a poem in in high school i think i think it's sandberg is desert places or is it robert frost i don't know sandberg or frost but desert places is uh they cannot scare me with their far off places between stars on stars where no human race is i have it in me so much nearer home to scare myself with my own desert places so it's a, it's a poem from a point of view of a guy who's just basically standing in a vacant lot i think oh that's awesome and as a, it's kind of i thought the implication was that like it's actually like there's so much fucked up shit in my own head right. like like that that, that why, why who, who, scientists can't frighten me yeah. with this atom bomb stuff and this right. outer space stuff like i i don't know who i am and i I certainly don't know who other people are. Um, uh, and, and, and yeah, so so it's like, and it's interesting, therefore, that as the alien abduction mythology often does, that this story touches on uh, sexuality and with uh, uh, subjective like rape undertones. Like, were you yeah. were you taken advantage of? Are you compensating for something? All these things. 
um, like, like, like what happened to you? Why don't you remember this? Um, the clinical aspects, the very personal sexual nature of abduction where the aliens tell you, oh, we want you for your sperm or your eggs or yeah. you're going to save the earth because you're so important sexually. Yeah. And we're, we're not. We're washed out. And so we're smarter than you, but you're you're an animal. We need yeah. your sex. We need your sex organs. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing in abduction mythology. And so. That fits very well in with this idea of all truth is subjective. All people, people are, as you just said, like people are so much more fucked up than something like these phantasms that we. Right. And I think it's all, you know, everyone's sort of prone to mythologizing because, you know, you want to find a good story to be in because, you know, this one sucks. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, that, that's kid, that guy, by the way, that starves that, that, that that star trek kind of archetype that they yeah. that they talk to his monologue about uh, how he you know always wanted to be abducted by aliens yeah I, I i that was yeah. definitely me at 10 years old and I, I used to yeah, it get, just makes uh, you like important. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, I had like charts and graphs on my wall. It was like, like I think I've been abducted, or I'd like to be abducted. You know, it's just like that idea of well, it's an easy way to become significant, right? Yeah, because you otherwise you have to like create TV shows and six seasons in a movie and all of that, <laughs> right? If you get abducted by aliens, that's your identity. Suddenly, it's very easy. I used to think when I was a kid, I was like, I wish dragons were around so i could just kill a dragon and then that would be right. that would be my thing for the rest of my life i'd just be the kid who killed a dragon that's something it's something that probably you know spielberg coincided with the latchkey generation and parents are starting to go to both parents are going to work and kids are coming home with a key around their neck and making their own uh dinner and watching tv the there's a distance and isolation there Kids are being raised on television. The the sci-fi, you know, the 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 post Spielberg kind of like Close Encounters version of alien abduction mythology, it's kind of sprang up. And I wonder how much of its resonance ha also has to do with like a generation of people who's who are more disaffected and therefore want to create situations in which they are special without having to engage something that's that's a little a little more abraded or numb inside them, which is just good old-fashioned unconditional love and intimacy and things. Right. Whereas there's maybe previous decades, mythology would be more driven by ethos. Like, like alien abduction mythology is a way to have someone come into your home, grab you, look at you as an inferior being, regard you coldly, uh, but... All, all in all, you've had a wonderful adventure. You've had, you've had, so you have been deemed special, but in, in a way that doesn't violate your inherent cynical understanding that you are a piece of shit. Oh my god, I've never <laughs> thought of it like that. That's pretty genius. You're still a piece of shit, but you know, sort of an important piece of shit. Yeah, like you had a better, more interesting Wednesday than the other pieces of shit. Yeah, yeah, we're all pieces of shit, but you know, some of us are looking at the stars. Yeah. Um I that's that's really really interesting. It's also, you know, it's a sort of a luxury of affluence the fact that you, you, like in Pakistan people aren't thinking that they want to become special or whatever for the most part because you're just like so busy working hard to get food and stuff. It's when you don't have that when you can just sit around in your room and be like what the fuck do I stand for? Yeah. That's when, you know, these sort sorts of uh self-mythologizing things start happening. Um and I thought the way that the you know, with the repeated lines, the repeated visuals. I thought the scene where there, where she's hypnotized and she's recalling the earlier time she was hypnotized. Yeah. I thought that was so funny. I've yeah. never seen that. Well, I noticed this time that uh, in her alien thing, I was looking at, why is one of the aliens holding a glowing, like, 
alien coffee cup. Like oh. one, one of them in the background is holding like a like what might be a, the alien version of a of a, of a, of a cup, of a coffee cup. Yeah, and yeah. you you see when she, when she's saying you're going in my head and you're taking stuff that's mine or whatever, you see that this hypnosis that they keep doing to her is yeah. ultimately a very invasive thing, and it's probably creating these new memories. Yeah, I actually, filter over. I them. thought that was the most actually interesting. It's the one thing that if you were to look at this episode and wish that the X-Files didn't bother to just have fun when they could have extracted some part of this and, and, and done like a really cool, serious uh, uh, episode. That I think that would be the one sapling that, that, that I would be the most interested in is the idea that doctors in rooms putting young women under hypnosis and probing their yeah. imaginations or recollections and, and making them feel special and making them feel is that it's like the, 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 the absolute total like synchronicity of that and the myths that they're conjuring as they're doing it, or are they myths at all? And yeah, I thought that was really cool. You have to, oh, of course the government would do that. Like they would right. grab people and like put them under hypnosis. And if we're using if the if the hoi polloi are using it to like to, like drag memories out about the government abducting them, then of course the government would be using it to yeah cover their tracks. Fun. Yeah, <laughs> fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's because they the, the one thing that they explore in this a lot that then also becomes a part of the X Files is the idea that the UFO mythology and stuff is made up by the government to hide more sinister activities. Yeah, and I don't know if this is the first uh, episode where uh, Jillian uh, Anderson uh, brings up a really important uh, point about about modern. Uh, ufology uh and that one of its many obstacles is that you're dealing with our you know we're into our second generation of people who all know how to describe an alien right um right it, it, she, she's like I, I don't know if that was ever pointed out on the show uh before that it's 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 uh it's a really important point when you're talking to somebody like uh molder yeah a, like like you know a lot of this shit has been in movies and stuff oh yeah i could uh, tell i could make paint a very vivid picture of being abducted by aliens yeah yeah um i think that's the first time that that's been brought up but that's what this writer does is like he really it seems like it's kind of trying to tear apart the show like he's kind of trying to break it yeah i i, I was compelled to look at his history with the show and he's written good episodes before i think i think emmy winning episodes yeah he did, wrote did Clyde humbug and, final repose and he did humbug and yeah he's he's he clearly like i think that when jose chung says in the very beginning i never really bothered to ask myself about aliens because i always felt you're always as a as a young writer you're always concerned about how alien you are right uh, right and so i have a feeling that's you know we're that's a glimpse into what makes uh darren what's his name darren, darren morgan darren morgan uh, uh tick uh you you do there is a fine line between obnoxious uh fuck this cage i'm trapped in commentary yeah and totally genius writing a valentine to to your medium, using your medium the way Charlie Kaufman, if you tell Charlie Kaufman to like do a flipbook animation, you better right. believe that your thumb and the and the paper itself is going to somehow end up being part of what gets expressed in it because why not use that instead of being bound by the paper and just trying to simulate a guy jumping into a barrel? Yeah. Why not tell a story about a guy trapped between multiple pages that yeah. starts shouting at you about your thumb? The, the, that's, that I think is a good writer being responsible and then the flip side of that 
that is that when you're being a little punk and yeah. going like, well, yeah, you ever notice that the show never gets to do this? And yeah. it's like you could see how and I think I read, you know, I because I was reading in the uh, uh, synopses of the commentaries, things that they've talked about this episode in the past. Obviously, history says this is their favorite, one of their favorite episodes yes. and all this stuff. But there's also a little glimmer in there. I thought I read about people, the director reading it being a little concerned oh yeah 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 all the, the director and all the actors and crew were like what is this episode what the fuck are we doing well not only that but the director was actually concerned he's like am i am i being forced to pull the trigger yeah in a in a in a in an x-files hit job like, yeah <laughs> uh, uh, is this like you're on your way out and you're like you're saying fuck fuck the x-files yeah but you know it's interesting because he is making a larger point right i feel like as long as the point is not just fuck this cage like you know community has a lot of um um, sort of calling itself out as a show kind of stuff, but in a way that enriches the characters or tells a story. It's not just saying, fuck this medium. There's a yeah. point to it. And I think that's what uh, this this episode is also getting at. There's a sort of a beautiful... It seems cynical at first, but it really isn't that idea of like, we tell stories so that we have meaning. Like, I mean, right. this is the most important fucking thing, and it doesn't matter the specifics of the stories. What matters is that we're telling them. The guy starts a cult, you know, that's his story. The, the, the one woman starts helping villages or whatever, that's her story. Right. This one guy's in love with this woman and he's not going to get her, that's his story. And I think that's what's really beautiful and interesting about subjective realities and experience, right? I mean, there's as many realities as there are people. Yeah, I mean, if a universe has no center, then every single place you go is the center of the universe, and that can be frustrating sometimes, but it's also like... It, it's it is instant meaning it's like if every right. if every direction on your compass was north it's like well on one hand i'm lost on the other hand i will never be found uh, and that means yeah. I'm, I'm exactly where i'm supposed to be exactly exactly um, and i think that's yeah go ahead the uh the well sometimes i just say um instead of breathing I'm, diarrhea of the mouth, so. <laughs> um the well, i wanted to i mean eventually i wanted to quick i wanted to examine though just to make sure is there not a there is an option there for a consistent through line, right? Uh, as far as what happened? I would think so. It seems to me maybe because the, the, the Lord Kinbot and stuff, there's, you know, the, uh, the, to me, the least reliable narrator is the guy who's talking about Lord Kinbot who starts the cult at the end. Right. So it seems to me that these two kids maybe were taken by the government, some sort of experimental craft, and they were hypnotized or something and so how does it make sense to you because to me when i look at it there's a way that there's no aliens involved in this. oh okay well i'd like to hear that one because i i I think that if you the 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 episode and all of its kind of lunacy i was assuming that if you set it down on a plate and tried to cut it into a dichotomy you would find because I would have assumed that this was something of an edict in the first couple seasons of X-Files, that there needed to be a plausible skeptics version of the story and a okay. and a uh, uh, whoa, could that have been what happened? Molder version of the story. Right. And, and in the in the latter, I the, the I'm wondering <laughs> I'm wondering if the implication is, well, if Mulder's right about 
everything, there might be a kinboat at the center of the earth right now. <laughs> and that guy's religion might be true. Um, if Scully's right about everything, then it's possible our government is is duplicitous to the point of where they might as well be aliens themselves. Uh, somewhere in the middle there is something where I think it's like, oh, uh, you know, we'd like we like the idea of the government is dressing up as aliens to try to f- to to get away with shit, and we love the idea of while they're doing that, it biting them in the ass when they get abducted. Yes, uh, um, we don't want the third party abducting alien to be a Ray Harryhausen cheese ball, yeah, uh, thing from the center of the earth because we regard that, and I have a feeling that that's what Jose Chung, i.e., uh, d- d- uh, the the uh, episode's author. I have a feeling of you know that they're going like, look, aliens, close encounters, beam me up, beam me down, like like things you think are cool, things I think are cool, like like what's a cool alien, like what is it, what's more realistic alien if you're talking about something that's landing in a spacecraft, like right. why, why would why, oh if it looked like something from Sinbad, would you be like, oh that's not real? Yeah, might as well be a yeah. A- fire creature from the depths of the earth so i almost wonder if that if the idea that kinboat is you know is down there in the center of the earth <laughs> our own desert places that that our ah. our own internal shit that sounds so stupid and so cheesy what if that is the reality um you know it, it's because it's kind of a it's just a very old school sci-fi kind of thought the, the, uh, the, that 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 kinboat character, yeah, the monster is within kind of thing, it, or but also just from the sci-fi perspective, it's like a less sexy Reagan era. Um, it's more, um, it's it's the, the Harryhausen thing and the kind of like pulp, uh, what yeah. the, the pulp sci-fi like world of L. Ron Hubbard and like right like before he was L. Ron Hubbard and like all those other guys that would like just so when sci-fi was just like. Yeah. garbage that you just yeah. pump out <laughs> right yeah yeah like yeah just like crazy monstrous shit happening yeah so i wonder i wonder if like 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 you know maybe maybe that's the writer inside the author saying like like x-files yeah cell phones real sexy Ooh, could it be it's coffee table books about fema like like come on man it's just just yeah. fucking have some fun yeah have some skeletons attack you with a sword like who, what's the difference who cares if what's real or what's not joseph campbell said like religion loses is, is is useless the minute you start asking yourself if it is or isn't real sure so maybe that's what's being said there like religion's job is to it says it's supposed to stay on the bottle when you buy religion this is not for sense making this right. is for this is for Finding a place in the universe. This right, is... exactly. Because he says everybody always starts their stories with, no, this is going to sound really crazy, but... Right. And everyone thinks that their story is unique and crazy and weird, but the fact that everybody's story is unique and crazy and weird means that none of them are really crazy and weird, but then the, 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 that's also the beauty of it, right? Yeah. yeah. The amazing thing about this episode is, like, for, we talked about that, obnox- are, you, are you being an obnoxious punk or are you um, making love to the medium? The... Whichever the intent was, I think the the end result is that it's 2015, and I when I watched this episode for the third time this morning, my immediate thought was that um, this would make a great X Files movie in 2015. Like to to extrapolate this into a to use that conceit, um, I think that would be more compatible with a 2015 like post Fight Club kind of like Rashomon sure. like. You, we're 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 more interested now th- than we were back then in finding the truth and uncovering stuff. I think we're, I think 
wait, I think I said that wrong. We are less interested in in, right. in, the, in the in the idea that there's an empirical truth and cover up. We're actually sort of in the post nine eleven. I think a little nauseated by the the the, the idea that there's more out there to know. <laughs> yeah. Um. And 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 looking for a little more emotional like stability in, in these days. And yet, and so so if I was gonna if you're gonna make an X Files movie. In 2015, I think like a good, you know David Fincher might look at all the X Files, and he he I have a feeling he might pick that episode and go, "This is this is our Wrath of Khan. This is what we do." Yeah, I mean, I think that'd be really great. I think of you know uh, Memento a lot when I think of this episode because that's also a guy who's like you know sort of created this narrative for himself just so he can keep living. Yeah, because you if you think about it, the amount of time that humans have been on earth compared to the amount of time that there has been time is so insignificant that you kind of do have to lie to yourself just to get through the day <laughs> otherwise like literally nothing means anything it, it and it truly kind of doesn't so you create your own meaning and that's you know that's what living is yeah i mean Cam- campbell basically says we're all schizophrenic i mean that, that we have a word for schizophrenia when it's like you know becomes unmarketable but uh that as a species compared to deer and penguins you know we yeah. are the schizophrenic mammal um uh, penguins aren't mammals don't write in <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah v- because we became conscious and we became conscious of life and death and we we be- when you be- the minute you become conscious and the, the beauty is it's played out in genesis and most creation myths as well is that the minute that humanity gains the gift slash curse of consciousness, right. the next thing that happens is basically insanity because life makes no sense. It is right. a thing that eats itself in it, supposedly in prayer to itself because life is supposedly so important that it's resulted in all of these organisms that just just kill each other or, or, or die. So is it, is it is it just this, what is going on? Like, and then the more you learn about the cosmos, the less peace you achieve. Because you just learn that oh, it all, it's all an explosion that's going to possibly contract it on itself, and then you learn more. Maybe none of it's real. Maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah. Maybe, maybe there's a cat in the box. Maybe maybe he's under your bed. Yeah, I mean that's exactly right because it is like we're so small. It means so little that you, you could extrapolate that to like, well, like I could just kill this person. Yeah. Like, what's the fucking point? Who is this? I'm nothing. He's nothing. I could just kill him. But then we have to have laws. Otherwise, there's literally nothing. If we get, if we achieve ultimate perspective, yeah. If you really feel it, and not just intellectually know it, if you really feel that ultimate perspective, like, I don't know how you can do it. Well, is that? But is that? Does this story suggest an alternative to, for instance, you know, fundamentalists like Christian or other other religion mythology, where you where you demand that the people around you. Because the underlying fear there is that we'll lose morality if we don't think we're going to burn in hell or as punishment, like a lot of, you know, free thinkers that still value religion or don't say, I don't need. Right. I don't need to believe the Bible's a newspaper to keep me from punching my friend in the face. Thank of you course. very much. Um, and I th- th- yeah, the end of the episode. In which Mark Snow apparently trivia uh, uh, used a. A sad version of the X Files. Yeah, it's theme. awesome. I'd never like heard he cha- that. Yet. Changed a note or something. Yeah, it's, really, it. cool. it's uh, really cool. And it's and, and during a, during a monologue about how we it's 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 each other. It's ourselves. The 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 aliens right next to you. The ones that if I mean look what look look at how like uh 
look look how nicely we treat strangers usually um that th- that we're not at war with like 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 sometimes you treat your girlfriend like shit in the morning and then you go to the dmv and you're like so polite to some piece of shit that you oh yeah exactly <laughs> um because you want to avoid conflict and get through your day and then we build these giant radar arrays because god what if someone else was out there oh what if someone else yeah. was out there what do you think the odds they're are all that here yeah you know, like like and yeah and also like whatever's out there how do you know it's not gonna be like a black goo that's gonna like just yeah instantly like like suck us all up and um in the meantime like yeah the person next to you there there's still a lot of uh contact to be made there there. Oh sure, like, you know you hook a radar dish up and point it to the person next to you. There's a lot of exchanges that you could. Yeah, I mean, I think of you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of my friends who are getting really into like new age weird stuff and crystals and shit like that. And and I think that's just people trying to make the world more interesting or weirder or whatever. But you're exactly right. Every person has their own reality and negotiating that. Like that's really, really interesting and we- weird. The world is weird enough. Like I don't truly, I don't know what it's like to be you, but and you don't know what it's like to be me. But the way we negotiate with each other, the way you know our subjective realities intersect, is really interesting and and and, and exciting. And, yeah, and in real in major religion scriptures, the god is always this guy, this stranger that comes to your party and just starts spouting off. Like like, and and he's got the power, so you need to listen to him. But he's introducing you to a whole way of thinking that you're not familiar with, right. which is also a stranger at a party, right? Like, and but we kick that guy out because we're like, who who brought knucklehead? Why is he? <laughs> He's in the kitchen to telling us dolphins are rapists. Like, get yeah. him out of here. Um, but, we don't want to know this. You know, to 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 <laughs> to, to draw on a uh, a classic lyric that I think we all live our lives by now. Uh, uh, once the song came out, what if God was one of us? You know, honestly, that is the most sense that that song has ever made to me. Um, Campbell Campbell said something about the the like the, we used to. What was it? It has to do with the words thou and thine. Like they're they're actually like um they're different from saying you and yours. Um that thou the implication with thou linguistically is that the other person is as important as uh God. Uh-huh. That the other person is a kind of holy entity. So it's a, and, it, and we just kind of dropped it because it's like, hey, we got work to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, we've got another different god that is very vengeful <laughs> and um sort of unknowable. Um and then there's all that big stuff, but also like like you were saying rattling the cage, calling out the fact that it's a story and limitations of it. Like I ha- I interviewed Darren for a different episode. Oh, did you? I was going to yeah. ask you. Yeah. He's great and he's going to come back and talk about this episode too. Um, and one of the things he talks a lot about is S&P notes and how weird they are. Obviously, it's something that he has thought about a lot and that's sort of affected him. And the guy saying, blank hole, blank, bleep this, bleep that. That's obviously like sort of right. just a funny uh, reference to that, right? right. Um, and I think I, I thought that that was really funny. There's a lot of like really funny little bits in it, like the men in black bit that Men in Black are Jesse the Body and Alex Trebek because who's going to fucking believe right, that? Right. It's such a great little joke. Yeah. It's so, so good. Yeah, I've always been fascinated with that. That's a, that's actually a thing in Men in Black uh, mythology is that constant idea that like that even our own CIA, like if you, you know, they deliberately do things that, that mark uh, any retelling of the story as as questionable right so they so that if you go to area 51 like they 
they do have just like a guy dressed as the Easter Bunny standing next to the vending oh, machine. Oh, that's such a great idea. Yeah, because the, then you have to include it in your story. Yeah, and uh, there's a guy dressed in an Easter Bunny outfit. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> leave those out. Leave those details out. But I thought, but and the way they reveal Alex Trebek was really funny because you don't see him the first three or four times. Yeah, you encounter every, everyone keeps having different reactions. Yeah, <laughs> everyone has different reactions. The there. one guy goes, "Hey." <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, another great line that uh, Jose Chung has the, uh, I don't know what's more st- more disturbing, the blah, 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 sex orgy, or the fact that the whole thing is written in screenplay format. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I found myself a little frustrated. I, 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 hope you, I hope you don't have the director on and like become really good friends with him, and I hope he's not listening. I, I, and I, I hope if he is, he understands that I know I'm talking out of my ass, but as a TV producer, I did find myself because there's a lot of comedy in this episode i found myself a little frustrated sometimes like i wanted to go into the bin and get a better take of some of these reads like where oh oh, you didn't like that there was comedy yeah it's like i could wreck no 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 i like the comedy i'm saying the comedy was like um it, I'm, I'm just saying, like some of the actors were underservicing the punchlines with their timing and stuff. Oh, really? I just, I just as like strictly as like six years in the trenches of like, right? Like, God damn it, Joel McHale's like, like, like he didn't, uh, you know, did he do one where he wasn't so angry when he said the word tuna? Did he do one where he removes that comma from the? Yeah, thing? comedy becomes so much about sure pacing and like, like a split second in, in inflection and stuff. So I, I was just like, I, I. I I haven't, you know, there's not, there's, there's less humor than fun in the X Files usually. So I, I never, I'm not used to having that part of my brain like, yeah, like vibrating the whole time I watch an episode. But on behalf of the writer, I was like, I was like, come uh, on, come on, come he could have nailed that Nail joke it. better. That screenplay line, I mean, it's, it's, I, it's like, yeah, Charles Nelson Riley was great on the set and he was great. He's funny. He's amazing. It's a great performance. But still, like, like that screenplay line, I, I, there's a better read of that one. I know. Well, it's so interesting because, you know, I'm shooting Silicon Valley right now and you're obviously shooting Community right now. And I've seen, so uh, on Silicon Valley, like with the acting stuff, which I'm still fairly new to, uh, and comedic acting is its own thing. I've been trying to do this thing where I, Sometimes I'll get locked into a read or in my head I'll have a specific take on the line and then sometimes the director will give me a note and like completely free me up and it'll be really, really good. And I've seen actors, we've had, we have a guest star on right now who does this thing where he does the same line a different way each time, but in a way that's always true to the character and true to the situation, true to the moment. And you see like, you know, five different versions of the same thing and sometimes you find something that you don't think was there and i think that maybe with charles nelson riley he he felt feels so and i think he's fantastic in the episode but he seems a little locked into sometimes the mannerisms of it rather than sort of being free and open and, and trying to find a new version yeah i think i think you know it's it's got to be hard to be an actor and the the ones that we enjoy watching that we're, we don't enjoy watching them because they're made out of putty um and and some director just like shapes the every molecule of them we like we like watching them because of something they bring and the downside of that is like well there there might be like i don't know they're gonna like you just described yeah but for instance zach woods who's on silicon valley was saying that he was on the office for a couple of years with uh steve corral and he said Steve Corral would do lines every single take was different. Mm. And that's so, so cool. I mean, he's so uh, interesting. But this happens to me. Like, I'll have 
I'll be like, oh, this is how I should say the last line. And I do it four or five times. And then the director will be like, hey, why don't you try it so you're less angry or you don't right. hit tuna or whatever it is you said. And then I do it and I'm like, oh, fuck, this is what I should have been doing the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also weird because for Gillian Anderson and to a bigger extent, David Duchovny, he has to act different in this episode <laughs> because he's how other people see him. So he is a little more stiff, a little more wooden. He has that line where he's like, the next rape you experience may be your own <laughs> in prison. <laughs> That's a really tough line because he, he kind of has to deliver it how that person sees him rather than how he would say it. Uh, but uh, I think I think those guys do a really good job, and it's a testament to the show. It's three episodes, in, it's three seasons in, and you see the the premise of the show is so flexible. It allows for so yeah. many different takes on this one very specific thing. Yeah, that was hugely influential to me um, in doing Community. It was like, oh, a good show with well crafted characters. The camera is can can be another variable. You know, um, the the you in order to make your point, like look at it through a different, a different lens. One of the most inspiring episodes of X-Files I saw that did that was the one where they, the whole episode was just an episode of cops. Oh yeah. I just saw that episode again. X-Cops. So great. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really, really great episode. And uh, yeah. And your show does that a lot where it's sort of like, Oh, the paintball episode and this, and it always feels like the show. And I think it's because it's always the characters, but that's interesting that the, the camera's take on it is something that changes, you know, how we experience it. Yeah, and it also, I mean, it's and it's not just writers entertaining themselves by changing what you already love about a show. I look at it as a tool for like, oh, this is like a way to learn way more about the characters. Yes, the Rashomon episode of um, of X Files when those lines when like when Jillian saying like uh, uh, and then that's when Detective Mulder came in expressing his characteristic exuberance <laughs> you know, and, and, yeah. and, then, and then and then David Duchovny comes in the door doing an impression of her imagination of yeah. him when he's annoying the fuck out of her yeah so now I know. 32 bits of information yes. per pixel instead yeah. of just eight. Yeah, it's, it, that episode's great because you see how they see each other. That This episode is great because you see how... You always see like Mulder and Scully fly into some tiny town, uh, you know, make fun of the sheriff. He's terrible at his job. And in the episode, the sheriff is an idiot. Right. And then they leave. But now you see it from the sheriff's perspective. Like these <laughs> fucking big city assholes come in here. They, they're barely, you know, they seem barely engaged. But also, they make like, fun of me. Uh, Mulder's, uh, we're, we're on to a different episode if you just tuned in. The, the, but Mulder's, uh, the, the, like, you know, clearly jealous of Luke Wilson. Like, yes. Because like, like, in his account, it's like, yeah, he's you know, got terrible teeth. But she's like, you know, batting her eyes at him and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so this the way that this episode uses the, uh, the the one image I always think of is when the person's hypnotized and you see the humans, and then like you said, you see the aliens in the exact same configuration, holding the alien coffee mug or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the way it's, people repeat lines, you don't know if it's the narrator, if it's Jose Chung, if it's because it's all filtered through Jose Chung, so he reuses, like, if you do this, you're a dead man. Whether it's it's him, it's his writing style, that he reuses this phrase a lot, um, or if it's, you know, uh, how, how people see the other characters. Well, I thought it was like, uh, that's 
that's the role of the big bad government. And so, like, yeah, okay. For some of the characters, that's what Mulder and Scully are. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and uh, maybe nobody ever says that, but everyone hears that from different people. Like, yeah. I feel, I feel like I've had trips to the DMV where somebody told me if I didn't do something, I could. <laughs> You're a dead man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I bet they didn't. Yeah, but that, that's a very good point. Like, it's whenever I'm dealing with cops, I have this thing where, like, the stakes are the highest possible. Right. Meanwhile, to the cop, it's one of 75 interactions he had that day, and he doesn't give a shit. But for us, it's the most important thing. Like, I think of this, like, uh, there was a time where Emily was really sick and she was in the hospital. This was years, years ago. And um, to me and her parents, it was the biggest thing that has ever happened in our lives. The woman I love is in a coma. She's very, very sick. The doctors don't know what it is. And every day I would go in it, and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Hardest thing they've ever done is to, like, have the woman you love laying there and she can't talk, she can't speak, and she's dying and you have no idea what's going on. And then you talk to the doctors, and they seem so lackadaisical about it. <laughs> For them, it's like one of 30 patients that day, you know. To them, it's nothing. But every interaction to me with them, like when they, there was one time where they just mentioned like leukemia in passing. And to me, it was like, oh, my God, if it's leukemia, that's a really bad one. I know that's a bad one. Yeah. But to them, it was like, well, did I say that? I don't think I said that. I don't know. I said that a bunch. Maybe yeah. I said it. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. Like, to me, the doctors are like, she's going to die. But to them, it's like, no, I didn't. I didn't that, that, that's not what I said. Yeah. And also the way the doctors are like, like, I, I, I may or may not have sarcoidosis right now. I'm trying to eliminate it as a diagnosis. My doctor is like, like, he'll, t- he'll, he'll listen to my chest and then he'll go like, oh, man, well, hopefully it's sarcoid. That's what you want. Why do I want sarcoid? Oh, because you're white. What, what what do you mean? Well, st- statistically, blah blah blah. He's like rattling off. I was like, well, now you sound like Hitler, like, like because, <laughs> because it, 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 I should have sarcoid because I statistically am less likely to die than a black woman if I do. Yeah, um, and you're, it's like, just you're like not a, comforting me. No. you're 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 having a conversation that you would have in the cafeteria at a doctor factory. Yeah, yeah. Whatever you call those places. <laughs> yeah, it's called a doctor factory. <laughs> I think that's exa- that's a very good point because you know to him. You're not a real person. You're a collection of symptoms and stats. And yeah, if it's, this is the symptom and this is the percentage, <laughs> then percentage-wise, successful for him, there's only a 0.02 chance, you know, that, that you're going to die. And then my thing. doctor my doctor texted me. It's like, hey, your test came back elevated. We need to send you in for a – you need to take a bi- – you need to get a biopsy to eliminate sarcoid. Uh, sad face emoticon. No way, really? Yeah. Oh so, my god, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that's horrifying, but that's the interesting thing. <laughs> we go back to this episode, that idea, like his subjective experience and your subjective experience are so different that sometimes when you try and relate to each other, there's a lot of static, right? right? And then this episode is like trying to get through that static and make a real connection, which hey, on paper, it seems like the most impossible thing in the world. Like, how do you truly get to really connect to a person when their experience is so different from yours? Right. He sent, you know, you were one of maybe 15 sad face emoticons he sent. There were probably a couple smileys in there. <laughs> you know, th- those people had a good day. Because, it, well, yeah, he knows sad face emoticon for a biopsy. I think he just means like, yeah, parking's tough down there. Oh, you know? yeah. But, uh, but, but, but I'm like, bi- biopsy is a word 
people yeah, this use is not a happy before word. they die. Like, yeah. like, I've only heard this word nine times in my life, and it's always before someone dies. Yes, which um, is the ultimate sad face emoticon, <laughs> is death. <laughs> um, yeah, I th- I'm, still, I'm still obsessed, though. I don't know if your listeners are with, like... Uh, my illnesses. No, um, the uh, with the whether or not there's an actual like uh, explanation uh, that yeah. makes sense. Well, is there like a, maybe that doesn't make sense, but is there at least one you can pick that's like <laughs> like I I do th- like working backwards from the end when they've got the two dead pilots, um, both dead pilots. Now that's notable because according to Mulder, the crash that they're looking at. Is, is a power a, up has been staged. Yes, they've been invited there as an audience to witness their alibi, and 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 that also means more importantly that the one pilot who the last time Mulder saw him was alive has right. been murdered by his own government. Right, which is pretty crazy. Right, um, and they're hauling his corpse out past um, uh, the FBI so that so that so that the, now working backwards from there, the government did they do that because. The I mean, obviously something weird happened because one guy was wandering naked. Yes. Not in his alien suit, but naked. Yes. So, like, what happened to that guy? The, the like like is there a kinboat, I guess is the central question that you Yeah. I mean, I guess it could be that if these are on some sort of experimental craft, and, and more importantly, did David Duchovny mispronounce uh, Kinboti? Like, like, shouldn't that be pronounced Kinboti? Like, I, I looked, I looked at the, when you look at the spelling of it. Yeah, I mean, I, and then did one actor like mispronounce? And it? And then they were like, "Now we're committed uh, to this." Uh, Sorry, I, 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 I derailed you. Well, Nabokov, you know, he's he's not around, so he won't care. Um, well, okay, so it could be one explanation could be uh, there is an experimental craft. That the government's using, and then a real kinboat shows up, a real alien takes them and our couple on the first date. Um, and so that's why everyone's fucked up. Because one important thing to note is that the Harryhausen thing is never actually reported by anybody, correct? Um, no one ever says it was really tall. No one ever describes it, but there's a moment where Mulder's reading in reading the description and he gets to the Lord Kinboat thing. And is it that's the that is the um oh that's the tr- that's the trucker guy. The, yeah the, that's the, his the writing. power the power line guy yes. who witnessed it from afar. We only hear it f- Kinboat is only ever seen or experienced from his perspective. Got it, got it, got it. I okay. believe, yes. Right. But so I guess okay, so it so it could be that 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 they were on a first date, there were those pilots an actual UFO thing happened, and everything got jumbled up and fucked up. And somewhere in there, and if you if you want to extract Kinboat as being a little too far fringe, you could still say that the power guy pulls up, sees something unusual, yes. does fall asleep because aliens do use technology yeah. like that, and because he's an aspiring screenwriter with a sad life with a garage office. <laughs> He fills in the rest with all his garbage, right. uh, which is kind of hacky because he's a hacky screenwriter. Right, 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 right. So, right. What, so the truth could still be, yeah, uh, awkward sexually infused date resulting in government trying to abduct people for God knows what reason. Right. Uh, uh, then they, like... Did he ever say why they were abducting people if they're as a government operation? 
I don't think that we ever... So then during that abduction, a real alien shows up, abducts abducts them all, all hell breaks loose, everyone's got... Everyone's confused and fucked up. One Air Force pilot is wounded uh, for some reason. Huh. Yeah, maybe he gets wounded, but... uh... Shit, well, actually, yeah. You know what? There is no... Because, like, like each, each, each story has one part of it that... That, that doesn't fit. That, 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 yeah, because the kids, because the government alien, the government Air Force pilots dressed as aliens. They, they, they're according to the one testimony from that guy in the diner. The idea is that it's just a test run of something they do. They fly around in these yeah. things and they they dress as aliens. I don't know, just to, just in case they get, <laughs> get seen. Caught. I don't yeah. know, but they probably do. he doesn't mention that they abduct you know teenage no. girls and do things for any reason, and so. Yeah, uh, th- th- because and then there's a crash site. They, th- the other guy was wounded, and his body was found, and he was wounded, so yeah. they d- or, and died, and they took him to put him on an autopsy table, and then found out he was wearing a costume. So that yeah. suggests just a crash, right? What if it's a couple on a date? They're using experimental craft with radiation or something crazy. There is a crash, and that. Leads, I don't know. The the it causes some weird phenomenon because it's weird technology, and that's why everybody sort of forgets stuff. Like the people, the couple witnesses it, and they process it weirdly. I don't know. It, it's it's tough. It's tough to get it to really make sense. I'm gonna ta- ask Darren more. Well, yeah, yeah. If, I guess if, that's that's yeah. something to look forward to. Is you can actually ask him, like if they if he if he thought there was a I'm sure he did cuz he's a very very meticulous guy. I'm sure there's a version. I don't know if he's going to tell me, but I'm sure there's a version in his head. Cuz one of the things I read when I was looking up stuff is that when the when he first turned the, in the script, he had a long meeting with the director about what really happened mm. and what was people's subjective versions of what happened. So the truth is actually out there. Yeah. It's out there. One thing I should mention is the actor who plays Stupendous Yappy. He shows up for a little bit. He's like introing the UFO documentary, which is clearly right, a reference right. to the Fox UFO yeah, documentary yeah. that aired at the time. I just found out that actor, his name's Yap Broker. He was just a stand-in for Mulder, and they, he was such a crazy character that they <laughs> wrote a part for him. Yap Broker. Yap Broker. He's Dutch, and I just heard he was a... You know, there's a show Supernatural. He was a stand-in for Supernatural for seven years, and he was visiting his mother, who's ill, and he passed away last week. This actor, um, I just found it on... Someone emailed it to me on the Facebook of one of the actors from Supernatural wrote, like, an obituary for him. Uh-huh. So he just passed away. And he was, like, a really interesting, weird... He's one of those guys that was such a weird presence, like... Obviously, he he speaks with an interesting accent and stuff, but there's something about him that's compelling. Not in an actor way, but in just a person way. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, So I should mention that, that he he passed away. Um, Yeah, he says the dress-up is UFOs in battle. Oh, you ever flown a flying saucer? Afterwards, sex seems trite. That's like the guy said, which is such like a... a, (laughs) pilot thing yeah, to say top, you know top gun. yeah it's so top gun it's so top gun um there's uh oh yeah when Mulder is talking to him and he goes who lord kimbo i thought that was because because he also mentions lord right kimbo. oh yeah the pilot mentions it mm-hmm. to to Mulder if you assume that 
that scene happened, even though there's a guy that works at a diner that says it never did. You see the diner guy's version of it, and in that version, Mulder's just eating one slice, one bite right. of pie each time. But that's insane, because why would Mulder ever lie? No, I mean, right. And then in Mulder's version, the pilot is there. So right. that's the, to me, that's the part that's the toughest to explain, even though it's such a small thing. In one version, there's an extra person, and it's a normal person. In one, one version, it's just Mulder. Oh, well, if the pilot knows about Kinboat, then he probably knows about it as a standard alien, like, uh, like hypnotic, like, maybe that's part of the standard government, like, alien Listen, uh, if you think implant. of Men in Black, as they're making a crazy story, then if they kidnap the kids and they want to make it a crazy story, they could add in a Lord Kinboat. Right. And that would be a crazy thing to believe. Right. And so then the Air Force pilot would know about Kimbo. Yes. And then the, also, I suppose the um, the power line guy, the government might have grabbed him up too because he was a witness. They put yeah. a Kimboat in him. Yeah. And uh, the pilots didn't get Kimboated. Everyone else did, which is why we saw Kimboat like, abduct the pilots. But what really happened to the pilots is. Uh, Still, what? Like, why did why did why does the couple have a memory of the alien of the pre kinboat aliens? Oh, when they're in that weird S like, and that's, that's the thing I keep I keep no no I just mean in the very beginning like oh, what, right. did they crash or did they were they parked on the street and the couple drove up or were yeah. they there to abduct a couple? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 tough to make sense of, but I'm gonna ask him see what he says. Uh, another line I liked is Scully at the end when she's talking to Jose Chung. She's, she goes, I know it probably doesn't have the sense of closure that you want, but it probably does more than some of our other cases. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, these guys never solve a case. They never solve a case. You could easily fire Mulder and Scully just based on, like, per success percentage. You don't need to, like, you know, make a martyr out of them or anything. You could just be like, you guys have done nothing yeah every single case the bad guy gets away or something is unproven i re i read in the notes that uh yeah this is actually the only recorded instance of an x-file being revealed as a hoax of some kind because they i think maybe chris carter said something when he was talking about the show in the early stages that he was pitching it as a show about how sometimes Sometimes Mulder's right, sometimes Scully's yes. right, and that therefore they were gonna they would be uncovering a lot of hoaxes, like Scooby Doo style stuff, right? Right, and they and that they never actually ended up doing well, that. Well, I think he said it's just more satisfying if it's a real monster rather than someone pretending to be a monster, because then you have to jump through so many hoops to be like, oh, when it was like this, he yeah. was here, like he hiding that stuff can be hard. Um, love is that all you men think about? I thought that was a very funny line. <laughs> the girl says it to the guy at the end. Uh, and then this is Jose Chung's final like big narration. I'm going to read it. I think it's really awesome. Uh, Evidence of extraterrestrial existence remains as elusive as ever, but the skies will continue to be searched by the likes of Blaine Faulkner, hoping to someday find not only proof of alien life, but also contentment on a new world. That's the guy who wants a job, the, the nerd guy. Until then, he must be content with his new job. Others search for answers from within. Rocky relocated to El Cajon, California, preaching to the lost and desperate, seeking the truth about aliens means a perfunctory nine-to-five job to some, for although Agent Diana Lesky is noble of spirit and pure of heart, she remains nevertheless a federal employee. As for her partner, Raynard Muldrake, 
that ticking time bomb of insanity. His question, the unknown, has so warped his psyche, one shudders to think how he receives pleasures from life. <laughs> and he's watching the big yeah, thing. Yeah, and clearly the... Allu- the, the Yes, that he's jacking off yeah. to it. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> jacking off to the big <laughs> <laughs> Like, to him, that's the only real proof anybody's ever found yeah. of this kind of shit. He's like, oh, someday I'll be there. It's, it's interesting, Darren Morgan, in all his uh, episodes... Scully, he looks at Scully in a much better light than he looks at Mulder. He always kind of looks at Mulder as a bit of a putz. Uh, Chrissy Georgiou has come to believe her alien visitation was a message to improve her own world, and she has devoted herself to this goal wholeheartedly. Then there are those who care not about extraterrestrials searching for meaning in other human beings. Rare or lucky are those who find it. For For although we may not be alone in the universe, in our own separate ways on this planet, we are all alone. I thought that was a really beautiful, like, that really brings together everything, because it's such a rigorously intellectual episode, and, you know, you and I are sitting here trying to make sense of it, right? and ultimately, I think this narration's like, well, there's, you know, people make sense of it different ways, there's yeah. no real one way to make sense of it. I also like the slight, when I, when I, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's good, that's a good way to wrap things up, and also, like... The Jose Chung character, you could picture him using that line at a lot of conventions to get laid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a point where she says, why are you doing it? And he goes, money. Yeah. I'm doing it for money. He doesn't have a higher purpose of finding truth or anything. And the way she describes his novels, they seem like really hacky, like shitty airport novels. Yeah. Yeah, he's not like this wise guy. Like, I think Darren doesn't see himself as being like this, you know, bringer of truth or anything. He's like, I know what I'm doing. I have a job. I work for Fox. I get a paycheck. Yeah, and the one guy, I mean, if you're going by the visuals of the, as he's doing that monologue, then the guy who, quote unquote, gets it is the horny guy that didn't understand anything at the end. Right. He's being, he's being jilted by awareness and knowledge. Yes, you know, yes. Like, Oh great! Now she's 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 tasted part of a bigger world. She'll never she'll never be dumb enough to fuck me again. Exactly, um, exactly. So he's just walking away, you know. Yeah, he. Well, the one thing that Jose Chung says that I think is also beautiful about storytelling, he says, as a storyteller, I'm fascinated how, um, as a storyteller, I'm fascinated how a person's sense of consciousness can be so transformed. But nothing more magical than listening to words, mm. mere words. I thought that, that was really, that was him like, well, you know, I mean, it's a job, but it's a pretty good job I have. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting job. Um, yeah. And Darren Mooney, whose reviews I read a lot on here, he says, like reality, truth is ultimately unique to each individual. Perhaps we spend too much time looking up at the stars, not enough focusing on what is right in front of us, which is a lot stuff that you and I have talked about a lot. Um, is there anything else you want to say before I read the message board stuff? Just that 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 last thought and and some of the other thoughts is exactly why I think this would make such a great like. But by the way, I also thought as a producer watching it, I was like, they did not spend enough money on this episode. Like like they clearly did not know this was going to be one of the classics. No, or or just didn't have enough money. It comes in the pretty late in the season. Yeah, I mean, and that's when you know, speaking from my experience, that's when you're kind of you know. Yeah, tightening up stuff. You're, yeah, you're, you're you're doing your yeah, like oh, someone someone's shoe is in the cupboard. We can't get in. Uh, let's get to know each other. Um, <laughs> We're it, all it, in the room trying it, to get a shoe. It did it did it did feel like like did it felt a little it felt for the scope of the of the story it was pretty down and dirty. It was yes, and they 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 embraced that for stylistic purposes, but again, it would make a great 
45 million dollar 90 minute x-files movie because you could include then part of the, the the theme that we really end up with is loneliness and what's in front of you that was a, a great way to explore the will they won't they of of Mulder and scully you know oh yeah that's that's exactly right they're looking to the stars they're standing right next to each other they're on these they're on these cases all the time arguing about whether it's science or the the aliens or the government or what's the most plausible thing and they're you know that's the whole appeal of the show is yeah like, they're hot and like yeah <laughs> exactly i mean he he calls that out in in humbug where uh, they go to these freaks, right? And it's all these like real, like freaky monster type people that are usually monsters on the X Files, but they're the actual humans. And then you see how they see Mulder and Scully, and they're like, "You guys aren't weirdos. Look at you. You guys look <laughs> like fucking Supermen." Yeah. Yeah. Um, so on the message boards, I've been going back since I saw you. Since we last did this, I've discovered old message boards from the era. From like '96 when this episode aired. Oh my god! So I've been reading them, you know, from the beginning. So '93 season one, every episode would have ten or twelve comments, and now we're at the point three years later where it's hundreds and hundreds of comments for every episode, and it's getting tougher to parse through. But I wanted to see what people would think of this episode because it is so different and so unique, uh, you know, compared to all the other X Files. Um, and it's one, like you said, you know, has stood the test of time. It's one that people talk about very fondly, and you know talk about it as you know top five episodes but i wanted to see what people's reaction to it was because it does kind of oh great introduction uh uh, uh episode two i think that's like, like, like if you wanted to recommend an x-files episode to somebody who'd never seen it all be a good it'd be a good first episode for them to watch if they didn't want to watch a pilot about oh episode two no i'm talking about the the, the jose chung i'm just oh yeah it's it's also but it, it's also commenting on x-files so much that i think it could benefit if you already know the tropes well that's of the for shows. sure yeah you're right yeah. well obviously my show testifies to the fact that i can't tell the difference between <laughs> <laughs> a good introduction episode and a yeah. bad one how many episodes are you guys doing this this season 13 oh that's great um, so I found it, and I found a lot of people really, really love this episode, and then some people were very upset about it. Some people are like, hey, why are you making fun of the X-Files? Just do the serious one. So it's interesting, but I, I thought I'd find more people uh, reacting negatively to this episode, but 90% of the people really, really love it and really got all the themes and talk about it a lot. They talk about I have a feeling that if they hadn't cast Charles Nelson Riley, that 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 would have really skewed the. I think his his warmth, his like impish like. Oh yeah, he makes something that would sound incredibly cynical and self serving out of a different character's mouth. I think so. It's a it's a, he's like he's just sort of. Uh, uh, back, what, what's the uh, Dionysian uh, Bacchus like? like oh like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's sort of like just an invitation to like just have a glass of wine with me and just take off your shoes and have some <laughs> fun. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, There's a real joy to his performance. For an episode that could seem cynical, he really like grounds it and makes it. And, and it's his, just like, like as long as what you're going for is the truth. Oh, why would I do that? Yeah. Uh, why would I do that? Let's just let's just have wine. That's exactly his vibe here. He's like, I don't really care about any of this. It's fun, but you know, it's going to make me money. And then a lot of people who indoctrinate you into there is no such thing as truth aren't particularly good billboards for adopting that philosophy. Right? They're, they're not particularly happy about the fact that they're right. sharing with you. So it's always jolly, jolly, like uh, sexually ambivalent, ambiguous <laughs> uh, kind of uh, uh, impish characters at a party are always the ones that get the. 
get the ladies dancing and yeah uh, exactly the he's the guy who can get ladies yeah. ladies dancing there's a moment <laughs> where where scully tells him how much he likes his book and his reaction is so good like where he he's sitting but he almost bows down and he's like thank, <laughs> thank you, you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good um but yeah a lot of people really like this episode and then i found this guy said so what's happening that I'm seeing a lot now is people are starting to um, objectify Gillian Anderson a lot, and there's a big reaction to that. People don't like it, but then that gives people impetus to do it more. So this guy posted, and he says, back in the late 1980s, I had a brief affair with Jillian whilst I was on holiday. She fucked like a bunny rabbit. Any more details, email me. And then obviously it's a very popular post, a lot of people believe this guy. And what they point to, apparently there's an FHM interview that had happened right then, uh, 96. So she's, you know, mid to late 20s at that point. And she's talking a lot about, you know, the guys she's had sex with. And the FHM, the article's kind of gross. This guy's weirdly hitting on her, asking her about, like, sex stuff in a way that's very, to me, was very unpalatable. <laughs> but so there's a lot of discussion about that article and people, like... It's 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 weird where people are sort of uh, kind of slut shaming that thing is happening uh-huh. uh, when people are talking about it. So there's a lot of talk of this FHM article. If you Google FHM Julian Anderson, that article shows up. It's from 1996, it's funny, and it's right? this guy asking her like, "How do you like to fuck? Are you loud or are you quiet?" Like it's a weird, uh, weird, weird article. I remember when Community first started, there was the phase where, of course, there was no evidence that anyone watched it at all. And then one of the one of the first things was like people going, "Oh, I kind of like this show." And then along with that comes like, you know. Alison Brie, fap, 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 fap. You know, oh, like these, yeah. these things that are just like, and I'm like, I remember be feeling like violated. Like, yeah. cause I, like I, I care about the show and I like, like, wait, that, like I wasn't even violated on her behalf. I was just like, wait, what are you doing? Like, that's yeah. my character, you know? Yeah. Like, you're, you, you, it's not about whether or not you get to see more or whether what you want to do to her. Like, why are you commenting this way? Like, I remember having that emotional reaction. It's an interestingly, the the cloud of audience like this blob descends on your show and it's like it has it has tentacles that are slimy and tentacles that are warm yeah uh yeah you can't unfortunately ultimately this happens to me a lot on twitter where people will say stuff to me and i'm like they'll be like i think you're really funny but you know this shit you said about politics that's way off base and i'm like it's interesting you can't really choose your audience you think what you do is such an expression of who you are and how you are as a person, and it's such a personal thing, and you would think that everyone who connects to it would be someone that would connect to you as a person. But it's maybe not true. Like, uh, you, I think successful stuff ultimately has a broader uh, appeal than, you know, just the people you want to like you. Yeah. Um, and I think that's true for your show. I mean, but you, you know, there are probably people who love your show who are not people that you would want to hang out with or think are nice or cool or good people well there also may be some guy who's like you know works at nasa and and loves my show for every quote-unquote right reason but then logs in an anonymous account because he's compelled while masturbating to tell people about it and what he's masturbating to oh yeah has chosen allison brie i don't know we contain multitudes (laughs) there's so many different people inside everyone and some of them you know just want to (laughs) fap What a gross that, that term. That word is the worst. It's oh, what a gross word. <laughs> Fap. 
It's just because it makes you have to, you know, it's it's good onomatopoeia, and it makes yeah. you really have to picture masturbation as it really is, and yeah. not as Mark Wahlberg slowly stroking a giant shaft. Right? <laughs> no, masturbation itself is such a high sounding word. It's four syllables. It's really yeah. long. It's like it's it's almost like scientific, or the and then fap, FAP is, is just rodential. It's it's something <laughs> a something a small wood varmint <laughs> doing exactly. the opening nut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You picture pubic hair. <laughs> when you when you hear the word fat, I just I definitely picture folds of skin oh, and, and a no. fan in the corner, an oscillating <laughs> fan, exactly. <laughs> and the fan has like dust on it, and like the the long <laughs> tendrils of dust are like you know uh, at at uh, parallel to the ground while he's fapping, <laughs> and and a, and a piece of. Uh, of uh, ribbon because a uh, set designer uh, thought that fans should have ribbons on them. Even yeah. though it doesn't make sense that some character would have ever wondered whether the fan was on to the point where they would tie a ribbon to it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Fap. Oh, <laughs> super gross. Um, yeah. So then, and then, uh, oh, one interesting. The alien smoking. That's really compressing a lot of different X Files iconography into one image. There's a cigarette smoking man. There's aliens and sort of put them together. I thought that was like a really cool, weird image, and a lot of people, uh, a lot of people really like that too. Yeah. So it's, it's a bummer that they clearly uh, couldn't couldn't get him to line the cigarette up with his mouth until like the last take when the cigarette was like burnt down to its. Oh, is filter. that right? It wasn't like what? Because you don't you don't know what where the mouth is. I'm sure they had to do like eleven takes and like. Yeah, it seems like because the cigarette is like really, really down to its filter. Yeah, and I would think they would want it to be like yeah. Well, I mean, it's it goes back to what you're saying. You know, we think of these shows. At least I think of these shows as perfect creation. Um, you know, every scene that they slaved over and stuff. The reality is, there's some sh- stuff that's shot at two thirty in the morning, and you have five minutes to get this shot. Otherwise, you go into penalties. Yeah, I'm inspired and and ashamed to see like how timeless, timelessly adored this episode is for all these things that I look at that I I would I know that I would be considering episode ruiners in the bay. We couldn't get actual stop motion. We had to like strobe. This looks stupid. This yeah. like, that whole cold open like. <laughs> The way it ends with like ten minutes of reaction shots, and then like those fuck costumes are all fucked up, and everything's just <laughs> fucked. And I, I, I just like I was looking at it through one eye, two, two different eyes, and one eye I was like me in the community bag, like, and, and then I'm ashamed of that guy now because I'm like, just give the people their pizza. They don't want they don't want it to arrive forty minutes later because you decided that crust should be shaped a certain way. Right. They want hot, juicy pizza. Yeah, just give them the pizza. They're not going to worry about the crust. People don't worry about the crust. You and the Bay, you're very worried about the crust. Yeah. People just like pizza. But I think part of that kinboat looking shitty, maybe that was part of it, you know, because that guy no, was a but hack, I mean, I mean, writer. I mean, on the page. If you're the $45 million version of this thing, the movie version, it's going to be a like very nicely Harry, Don Harryhausen actual stop motion creature that's interacting in the same space as those aliens. And Yes. I don't know like all kinds of like it, it, it's a it's a green screen fucked up like you know <laughs> f- footage of one of their friends in a, <laughs> in, a in a costume like yeah and then they put it in front of them. they had to slow some stuff down because they didn't you get they just threw it all together and i'm, I'm like oh yeah what a waste but, but no one cares no one yeah, cares it's, it's a testament to this episode that what people talk about are the ideas mostly yeah. you know yeah, well, that's a nice thing about tv audiences is that they, they're signed up to watch a 
two-dimensional screen that's clearly a bunch of fake shit, and they want to believe. Yes. Uh, oh, perfect. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Uh, thank you so much for coming, Dan. Uh, I, this is why I was excited to talk to you about this, because it is an episode that I really, you know, I've watched it many times, and I sort of struggle with it, not in the way of whether I like it or not, but the struggle of what is happening, what's real, what is the episode trying to say. And so I wanted to have someone who I know sort of thinks like that. You think a lot about story and and uh, this kind of stuff. And your show, like we talk, uh, Community, has elements of this kind of thing in it, where you try out different genres and you comment on the nature of storytelling and you rattle the cage in a way that's very satisfying, but still true to the show and the reality of the show. Yeah, for sure. And it was the yeah, it was the it was the it was the bold smartness of of X Files, um, you know, that was inspiring me like back then. It's like when I sat down to write television, I definitely. Mm, if it weren't for X-Files, I wouldn't know how okay it was to care that much about, you know, <laughs> about the audience. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Dan. All right. All right, great. Um, so that was Dan Harmon. Very, very smart guy. Intimidatingly smart at times. Uh, just kind of have to, like, really focus to keep up with him. Um, next week, Darren Morgan. Thanks, guys. Do you like science? Do you like jerks? If you answered yes or no, or declined to state because you Illuminati, man. Then you should check out the Science Jerks podcast on the Boardwalk Audio Network. Each episode, we talk about science news and play games with our comedian friends. The Science Jerks. It's science merged with comedy. Because Let's do some science.